The space between our limited human knowledge and God's infinite wisdom leaves room for faith, which God highly values, and his servant Job learned the hard way. If Job knew that he would be twice blessed after he endured many trials and that he would live for another 140 years, he would not have learned to trust God during the hard times. So the big idea we learn from Job is also the big conclusion to his story. Suffering requires humility and the patience of faith. Have you heard of the patience of Job? If you lack both humility and patience during suffering, consider Job. Better yet, look to Jesus on the cross. Our Savior fully understands the patience of suffering. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. If God answered all of our questions, we would never need faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hello and welcome into this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. When Job lost his children and all his wealth, he never blamed God for any wrongdoing, but he did have plenty of questions and he began to ask God for an explanation. Ron takes us to Job's conversation with God next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule or make a safe and secure donation to the ministry. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with part two of his message, Job, Why Do the Righteous Suffer? In chapter 8, beginning in verse 8, he implores Job, he says, For inquire, please, of bygone ages, and consider what the fathers have searched out. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing. For our days on earth are a shadow. Will they, that is the, the ancient traditions and the traditions of the elders, will not they teach you and tell you and utter words out of their understanding? Uh, later in chapter 18, Bildad appears to draw from the writings of some ancient uh, sages from the east, and he quotes them at length uh, in chapter 18, verses 5 through 21. I, I kind of get the sense that Bildad would find comfort and ease with the Pharisees in the New Testament, traditionalists. Uh, Jesus often took aim at the tradition of the elders, chapter 15 of Matthew, Jesus said to the Pharisees, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? You know, and he was always uh, crosswise with the traditionalists, uh, those Pharisees. Uh, that, that's, that's kind of build in. I think, I think Job discovered there's nothing worse than being lectured by a Pharisee like Bildad. And then there's Zophar. Uh, Zophar speaks last among the trio of Job's friends. Um, uh, his words, quite honestly, are, are, have a sharper edge to them, if you can imagine, than either Eliphaz or Bildad's words. Uh, he, he speaks rather rudely in chapter 11 and verse 2. He says, should a multitude of words, Job, go unanswered, and a man full of talk be judged right? Should your babble silence men, and when you mock, shall no one shame you? <laughs> um, Zophar is the guy who doesn't know what he doesn't know, but what he does know, he thinks he's absolutely correct. You ever met you so far? 
just so absolutely sure, but he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Uh, For example, in chapter 11 and verse 6, Zophar says, Know then that God exacts from you less than your guilt deserves. And uh, later in uh, chapter 20 and verse 4, Do you not know this from of old since man was placed on earth? In other words, Job, everybody knows what I'm telling you. Why don't you know this? He's just got that edge to him. And he needs, leaves no room for discussion or somebody else's opinion. Uh, Zophar is the, is the true believer, but of things he knows nothing about. That's Zophar. Now, a break occurs in chapter 32. Uh, Bildad and Eliphaz get three speeches. Uh, Zophar only two, and he's kind of interrupted by a young man named Elihu, who um, we don't know if he was there in the early conversations or if he was just being respectful to the elder statesman and waiting his turn, but Elihu shows up in chapter 32. He's a young man who offers the perspective of someone with less life experience than old uh, Eliphaz. However, he speaks with much more passion and some rage, some anger. Quite frankly, he's angry at Job for justifying himself. And he resents how the elder statesman left the matter of Job's suffering unresolved, although they blame Job, you know, that he's in this mess because of his own doing. Uh, Elihu's speeches fill up six chapters. I mean, he too is a bloviator. Some people view him as big-headed and verbose and uh, full of hot air. But you've got to give Elihu a little bit of credit because he takes the whole conversation about pain and suffering to a, a different level, level higher than his contemporaries. He still doesn't have the mind of God any more than Bildad or Eliphaz or Zophar, let alone Job has. But he does uh, speak about the need for humility and patience when uh, you're going through a hard time. And you've got to give him credit for that. And that brings us to chapter 38. It's a long read from chapter one. Chapters one and two, you get the behind the scenes. And chapter three and forward, these ad nauseum, you know, rhetorical ramblings of Job and his three friends. If you can make it through all of that, you arrive to chapter 38, and it's like a whiff of spring air. God speaks. But when he does, (laughs) uh, he, he speaks, the Bible says, from a whirlwind. He's like a tornado rolling through the Texas panhandle. Who is this who darkens counsel with words without knowledge? In other words, Job, sit down, shut up, and just open your ears. I gave you two ears and one mouth. You need to shut the mouth and open your ears. And um, here, you know, there's a little bit of a... um, an understanding that the book of Job is divine revelation. A lot of questions as to whether or not this ever happened or was this some, somebody made up all these stories. If this was a made up story by some uh, human philosopher, you would expect God at this point to answer all of Job's questions and the questions posed by his three friends. But God does just the opposite. He didn't answer any questions. He poses questions to Job. And that's just one of many indications that this isn't, you know, some human book. No, this is, this is divine revelation. <laughs> we, 
We would never know the behind the scenes without divine revelation. And, and this is something that only God would do. If humans were writing it, it would be a much different outcome. And God would resolve the problem of pain and suffering and explain himself. What you learn in chapters 38 through the end of the book is God sees. God, God puts himself under no pressure to answer Job's questions. And during these next four chapters, and I counted them, 129 verses, God questions Job. He says, sit down and let me ask you a few questions. Starting with verse 7 in chapter 38. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or, or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? In other words, Job, where were you when I created everything, including you? Job, you don't know what you don't know. And that was enough to put Job back on his heels. And Job just sits and he listens. But God was just getting started. And at this point forward, he takes Job on a tour of the universe and through all of creation, each time posing questions for Job to consider. For example, chapter 38, verse 22. Job, have you entered the storehouses of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of the hail which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? Uh, scroll down to verse 31 of that same chapter. Job, can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Mazareth in their season? Or can you guide the bear with its children? Job, do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? How about chapter 39, beginning in verse 1? Job, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? Can you number the months that they fulfill and do you know the time when they give birth, when they crouch, bring forth their offspring and are delivered of their young? Uh, one more, chapter 39 and verse nine, I always love this one. It's a wonderful Christmas reflection. But keep in mind, this is about 4,000 years before, three to 4,000 years before Bethlehem. Job, is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will he spend the night at your manger? <laughs> In other words, Job, can you do Bethlehem? I didn't think so. And God sort of flexes his cosmic muscles for 129 verses. And Job's back on his heels. In the beginning of chapter 42, he says, I get it. I get it. Who am I to darken counsel? with words without knowledge. I don't know what I don't know. There are no answers, just questions. And almost like a prosecuting attorney, the Lord God of heaven and earth leads Job to the appropriate conclusion through a carefully crafted rhetorical inquisition without ever revealing to him what was happening behind the scenes. That cosmic wager between God and Job remains a mystery to Job, not to mention his three friends and Elihu. Otherwise, there's no need for faith, right? And that's the whole point of the story.
still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Job, Why Do the Righteous Suffer? Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out our digital library where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And as you give today, Ron would like to bless you with a special gift, one that goes along with the series you're hearing now. It's called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Two beautifully designed editions that cover the Old and New Testament. And both volumes can be yours today as you give your gift of $50 or more. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Our way of saying thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's message. Job, why do the righteous suffer? The space between our limited human knowledge and God's divine wisdom is exactly the space where faith fits. And faith is something that God highly values. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six says, without faith it's impossible to please God. I know you want answers, I want answers too. But God is not compelled to give answers. He questions Job. Job, where were you when this happened? He questions him long enough and broadly enough for Job to come to the conclusion, yeah, I don't know what I don't know. If Job knew what God knew, there would be no need for faith. If Job knew that he would be twice blessed after enduring his trials, if Job knew that he would live for another 140 years after all of this, twice blessed, there would be absolutely no need for faith, and God is not going to take faith out of the equation. So what's the big idea that we learn from this book? Maybe not a big idea, but a big conclusion. And here's how I would say it. Suffering requires humility and the patience of faith. Let me say it again, suffering requires humility. I don't know what I don't know. I don't have answers. I don't know how many times I've sat with a hurting, broken family as a pastor and said, I, I, I don't have an answer to your questions as to why, why this is happening. Suffering and pain requires humility and the patience of faith. By the way, have you ever heard of the patience of Job? You ever heard that phrase? Maybe your, your mother, your father, your grandparents said, oh, the patience of Job. How did Job become so famous for his patience? Well, James is the one who gives Job credit for the patience of faith, James chapter five, verses 10 and 11. But Job would have never learned the patience of faith if he had more than limited 
human knowledge. The Apostle Paul says in the New Testament, we, we as believers in Jesus Christ, even see through a glass darkly. You ever, you ever kind of look through a piece of glass and it's sort of frosted over and yeah, you can maybe make out some images beyond that. That's how we see things in this life. And that leaves a lot of us uncomfortable. Maybe that's what's creating that irreconcilable difference between you and where you are right now and faith in God. You just can't get past all the pain and suffering. Why did God uh, 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 protect the Jews when Haman, the Jew hater, wanted to wipe them out, but he didn't protect them from Hitler? Well, ultimately he did. Hitler didn't wipe all of them out, but, but there's a lot of pain and suffering. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not God. But one day, when we see him face to face, the, the, the frostiness in the glass will go away. We won't see through a glass darkly anymore. We'll have perfect knowledge. And I know, you know you're, you're lining up just waiting for that day to ask God all of these questions. No, when he gives you the perfect knowledge, you'll say, oh, okay, I get it. Now I understand. But between now and then, between your limited human knowledge and God's perfect wisdom, there's this, this chasm between the two, and the only bridge you can build is called the patience of faith in humility. And we wait upon him. We put our trust in him. When Jen Barrick awakened from her coma after five months, she didn't remember that two plus two equals four. She didn't even remember that she had a brother named Josh. But according to their story, she remembered the lyrics to every praise song she had ever learned and the words to every Bible verse she had hidden in her heart. It's been a long, painful road to recovery. Jen and her mother Linda have been to our church sharing their story to a packed house of women through our women's ministry. And Jen says, listen to this, 15-year-old Jen, I don't know how old she is today, but she says, I will never doubt my Lord and my Savior. He is the one healing me daily. That's the patience of faith. Not the demand for answers. Not the philosophical musings when you don't know what you don't know. But trusting an all-powerful, all-loving, compassionate, all-knowing God who says there's purpose in the pain. I know you don't understand that. I, 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 I'm not here to explain it to you yet. One day I will. One day you'll have perfect knowledge. But right now, I just need you to trust me. And for some, that's a, that's, that's a hurdle you can't get past. That, that's the thing that's keeping you from faith in God. But we serve a Savior who, who uh, understands pain and suffering. He went to the cross to die for your sin and for my sin. And while he was on that cross, suffering physically, 
he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's the why question. Even Jesus, the why question. I know you want the why question, but really for people of faith, it's the what next question that we need to answer. God, where do you want me to go from here? And as Jesus breathed his last breath, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He, he, he laid aside the why question, and he says, I trust you. Three days later, he rose triumphantly from the grave. We serve a Savior who is well, well acquainted with pain and suffering. And although we cannot understand it and fully reconcile it in our lives, uh, the God we serve has a, has a purpose for this, this, this season of time called life which is a blip on the radar of eternity. He has a purpose in the pain and in the suffering. And he's asking us to humbly trust him and to uh, exercise the patience, the patience of Job and the patience of faith. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message. Job, why do the righteous suffer? And I'm pleased to welcome in Dr. Ron Jones to the studio. Great message today, Ron, and a timely reminder to all of us that faith is a crucial element in our walk with God. I'm curious, though, for those listening who have wrestled with God and asked questions of God and seem to get no answer in return, is there any reason why God would not offer direct answers? I had a feeling you may ask something like that, Brian, so I came prepared. Now, let me reiterate that the primary reason God doesn't tell us everything is because he has called us to live by faith, complete and total trust in him. Quite frankly, if he answered every single question we had, there would be no faith required. Not really, there wouldn't. But there is at least uh, one other reason that I can think of as to why God doesn't tell us everything. You may remember a movie from the early 90s called A Few Good Men, and that famous courtroom scene where Jack Nicholson's character says, you can't handle the truth. Well, Brian, that's that's what this is like. I certainly believe that if God sat us down and told us everything, if he began to unveil all the hidden mysteries about himself or about ourselves or about the spiritual realm in general— Well, Brian, I believe we would probably die where we sit before God even finished his first sentence, maybe even before he started speaking. We literally could not handle the truth. Our minds are too limited, our understanding too rudimentary. Our heads would explode before the first deep truth even left the mouth of God. Brian, there are deep hidden things that he will not share with us while we're here on this earth, and quite frankly, that's for our own protection. So we come right back around to faith. Uh, We have to trust that God leaves certain questions unanswered to protect us from knowledge we could not handle. Uh, One day we will see him face to face. The whole truth will be unveiled and we'll be able to handle it. In the meantime, we see through a glass darkly, and that is as it needs to be. Because if he allowed the full light of truth to shine directly on us right now in our current state, we would possibly not survive it. I love that answer, Ron. It's a great reminder to all of us that God protects us from things he knows we're not quite ready to understand. 
Before we go, Ron, how about telling us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? Well, Brian, our next stop is no doubt what um, many people would say is one of their two or three favorite books in all the Bible. I'm talking about the book of Psalms. It's a book of prayers, of uh, musical songs, of poetry, really. And yet it's a practical book as well. If you don't know how to pray, for example, if you don't know how to express yourself to God, you can find a psalm and read it out loud to God as if you're the one who wrote it yourself. And by doing that, you'll always pray the will of God when you pray the Word of God. I actually like to call uh, this next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible uh, a place of rest, uh, a place to decompress, uh, a place to refuel your soul before you pick back up on your journey. That's where we're headed next time, right here on Something Good Radio. Join us then for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Psalms, ancient songs that shape the heart. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.